is the Coors Light Jared Scoldy Show. Live from Gameworks at Newport on the Levee. Now alongside the head coach of the Cyclones, Jared Scoldy. here's your host, Nick Brunker. All right, welcome in. It's another Monday Night Live here at Gameworks in Newport on the Levee. Thank you for being with us as we are back after a week-long hiatus. A five-game and seven-day stretch to talk about after another busy week. We have plenty of games to break down and look ahead to another busy one as well as we'll kick off a week tomorrow against Greenville at U.S. Bank Arena. First of all, let's give a, a happy birthday belatedly to the head coach of the Cyclones, Jared Scaldi. Thank you. Happy birthday, buddy. Hey, Paris, have the limo waiting outside before I leave, eh? <laughs> Show it ends at 8. I got a beeper. You just beat me. Have that limo outside. You still use beepers? No. Okay. If you need anything in this town, answering machine, beepers, or white walls, call Chris Parsons. He can get you a deal. <laughs> he has the connections everywhere. Uh, let's talk about the last couple of weeks because it's been a while since we've chatted about, about the team. Your assessment of the way that this team has developed over the last three weeks because of all the games, we knew going in it was going to be a wild stretch. Tell us your assessment of how they played. You said develop, right? We're developing. Um, I think right. so, right? <laughs> yeah, we're, uh, I mean, it was an interesting week, obviously, with, um, you know, Gwinnett coming in. It was great to see a team that we have not played yet, and it's nice to prepare for, uh, you know, someone different other than Toledo and Kalamazoo and Chicago at times. But, uh, you know, I thought we played well on Monday night. Uh, you know, our, our lineup, obviously, with some some holes in it, with some call-ups and stuff. I didn't, I didn't really like our... Uh, our game on Wednesday, the two nothing game. Even their their club, I didn't think played particularly well, but um, you know they found a way. Two nice goals by uh, the same player there, I believe, it was Parker. That uh, mm-hmm. you know two great goals, but you know there was an opportunity there. But uh, you know Friday, Saturday, the effort and the way we we, we came back and 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 uh, you know got two points uh, both nights is uh, is huge. But um, you know we're. We're obviously just trying to find ways every night. Every day is a new challenge uh, with our team, and, and, and with it, whether it's a lineup change or uh, whatever it is, we're, we're just trying to find ways to win, and we've, we've found some success this week. Obviously, five games uh, going three and two. You know, got to be pleased with it, but, um, you know, with, with the way it's uh, stacked up, you know, we need to keep uh, chugging along here and getting some more points. You have 32 games this season that have been decided by a goal. And that, to me, is, is a staggering number. It actually is the most of any team in the league when it comes to one-goal games. So with that in mind, uh, down the stretch, it's going to be the, more of the same, but now on the road more than it is at home. That's a challenge. Tell me about what you're doing uh, to get ready for that challenge. Well, you know, you know our, our record on the road isn't the best uh, you know, the, the, compared to our home record and stuff. And we're, you know, we're heading down south for 10 days, which is going to be a, a, a big test for us. And... Uh, I think one good thing is uh, we, we enjoy going down there. I think this as an organization, it's amazing how uh, history kind of holds itself and stuff that, uh, uh, you know, we've had success down there. But, um, you know, we got our work cut out for us uh, the next uh, 18 games here. Well, but, um, you know, we're, we, uh, again, we're just looking at tomorrow. we got Greenville. It's a big test for us, and uh, we'll take it from there. Well, if the stats are any indication, you've played well, very, very well against the South. You have... Uh, lost, I think it's five games out of 25 around there when it comes to your teams in the South Division, playing very well against usually some of the quicker, faster, more skilled teams in our league. And I guess that speaks to maybe how you're game planning against them. Maybe it's just a, a fluke. Who knows how how the, the the background goes into it because you go into a, a game against Florida and Gwinnett back-to-back three games to start the week thinking this is going to be a test. And just like the previous year and a half, you've been able to find ways to you know, grit out wins both at home and on the road. Yeah, I mean, you know, last year's a whole different personnel compared to this year, and you know, we've had success against the South. And we you know we're going to need to continue it to to give ourselves that opportunity to, 
uh, you know, uh, get a good placement for the playoffs and stuff. So, you know, to explain why why we do good against the South, um, you know, who knows? I know it's I know it's fun to play a different team. It's it's a it's it's nice as a coach to prepare for a different team. Um, you know, and you you've seen the Kalamazoo's and Toledo's and Chicago's enough and some of the other teams, but it, it, it's nice to see a team like Florida come in and have to, you know, watch two, three games on their other previous games and actually go through their lot roster and, and prepare our team. It's, it's fun. It's fun for us. It's fun for the, for the players, but um, you know, to, to indicate why we have success, I don't know. Um, I just hope it continues tomorrow. What a month it's been when it comes to comebacks. You have already eclipsed both of the last two years when it comes to come from behind victories. You had 11 in each of the last two years. The year prior to that, which was uh, which was 09, no, it was 08, 09, you had 15. You're at 14 now with still 18 games to play. Obviously, we hope that you don't have to come from behind to win games again. Yet, at that point, you're on track to smash the, the record over the last three seasons. It's been wild on a nightly basis to watch the, the comeback. Sunday almost was number 15. Yeah, I mean, Jeremy Clayer had an opportunity late to tie it up at 5-5 yesterday, but... You know, obviously we address our, you know, why we're getting down 5-1, why we're getting down 3-1, 4-1, whatever it is. I mean, it's something that, uh, you know, we talk about and it, it, it's happened. But, um, you know, I, I tell you, the, the guys in that room, even yesterday at 5-1, uh, you had a sense that it wasn't completely over. I mean, I think any any team you can look at, it's 5-1 going to third. That thing's done. Like, it's it's over with. But uh, there's always a sense with our group that, that – you know, there's an opportunity here, and um, you know we want to correct those mistakes we make to make it 5-1. But uh, it sure is encouraging to see guys who just don't quit. I mean, watching Luch get that goal yesterday and kind of get the ball rolling at 5-2, and then you see 5-3, and you can tell we got all the momentum at 5-4. And then uh, we had great uh, scoring opportunities when it was 5-4. Like I said, Jeremy Claver had a great backdoor play that uh, uh, goalie made a, a terrific save off of, but. Uh, um, you know, it's, it's fun to watch. It's, uh, you know, it's nice to know that you're never out of a game. But, uh, again, we, we were a team that wanted to come out early and get that early lead, which we found success early in the year. And for some reason now we're not, we're not coming out with that, uh, that lead. But, um, you know, it's something that, uh, you know, we, we address every day. We'll take your questions for the coach. If you want to come and grab the live mic, you will uh, have it handed to you from Rob, and we'll take your questions. Plus, coming up, Mike Liambis and Anthony Luciani will be with us so you can ask questions of them as we move through the hour here till 8 o'clock. Programming note, we'll be back again next week. Then, of course, as the team will hit the road, we'll be out for the week and then be returning uh, right before the end of the year for final two shows of the season. So keep in mind uh, about that. All right. Um, when we talk about the trade deadline in the NHL, it's becoming a nightly conversation that Rob and I are having. I know we'll get back to the Cyclone side of things in a minute, but uh, a day that has passed with the 3 o'clock deadline in the NHL, not perhaps as many deals that went down as I thought they would. I was almost positive that there would be some more conversation from Rick Nash's perspective in Columbus. How, how do you feel about the day that was in the NHL? Well, it's gotten interesting in Columbus since um, Scott Housen came out and publicly said it's everything's been kept pretty secretive about uh you know rick nash and and, and scott house and the columbus blue jackets organization on you know wh wh what side is uh does columbus want to move rick nash or does rick nash want to be moved and uh scott house made it very clear today that rick nash has approached them about being moved and uh uh, it was interesting uh, comment that uh, almost felt like it didn't need to be said mm -hmm. because uh, no one really knew which side is asking for what but, 
you know, I, you know, I, Rick Nash, uh, whether he should be moved or not, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not sure about that. I mean, Rick Nash is a quality player, but I thought it was an interesting comment from a general manager. Mm -hmm. But, you know, more importantly, I watched the trade deadline for see what the Florida Panthers and Nashville Predators do. You know, Nashville picking up Kostitsin and then getting Paul Gostad. Um, you know, I'm just waiting for my call now to find <laughs> out what we get. But, uh, uh, you know, that'll all shake out here over the next couple of days, whether we do get end up getting a forward down from – uh, it's always encouraging from us here to see that, you know, Nashville did pick up two forwards because, um, you know, does that mean Ben Ryan's coming mm -hmm. down or Joel Champagne or mm -hmm. does that force someone down? So, um, you know, I've had conversations with Milwaukee today and uh, we're just kind of all waiting to see how this shakes out with Mo uh, Florida Panthers, you know, making their move with Wotek Woski the other day. Um, you know, Jared Smithson going there, you know, what that does uh, for San Antonio and what it means for us will be seen here the next couple of days. Well, there has been a change in the, the rule, if you will, in the ECHL. We had this conversation a couple of weeks back about where players can go at what time, the deadlines for this league and, and how that could work. So if a player who's under a contract with the Cyclones is, is happened to be called up or loaned to another club, whether or not he's able to come back into Cincinnati. The rule that we told you has changed since then. Explain what's gone down. What they've done is they've eliminated that. And then if you want to call up one of our players after uh, March 5th, um, you know, non-contracted like, like uh, Matthew Aubin, the it's a $500 fee. So initially it was that uh, if a guy was past that date, you, he, couldn't, or he couldn't play for you beyond that, right. which really put everybody in a tough situation. So what they've decided to do is it's, uh, it's a $500 fee. So after March 5th, if, uh, you know, Matthew Aubin or, or Siska or Pollock or uh, uh, Maury Edwards or any guys like that get called up, uh, they basically owe us $500. Okay, now with that in mind, as this roster continues to be a carousel throughout the course of the second half, uh, I would anticipate probably people are going to try calling you as the American League tries to scramble and get their rosters set for the, the playoff run with the Eastern and Western Conference up there, very jam-packed, especially in the West. Uh, a, have you received any calls about guys uh, to go up? And B, what's your game plan if those calls start coming in? I, I've received calls on some guys uh, inquiring about getting some of our guys up. And, and, and quite honestly, we're not in a position to, to send guys up. I mean, there's, there's a sure number situation where, you know, uh, Bridgeport has asked about uh, Avi. I mean, I got seven forwards. I, I, I cannot go into a game with six and three Federal League players. So uh, people understand that situation. Avi understands the situation, and other guys will. I mean, we're not in a position to you know, send our players to the ECHL, yep. you know, or the American Hockey League. So, you know, when Florida calls and brings up, you know, Luciani, Vive, and, and Devin, you know, that's, that, those are their contracted players. There's that, that's great for them. It's a great opportunity. But, you know, there comes a point where, you know, here in Cincinnati, our, our focus is on winning. And, and, and the guys that we have, their focus is on winning. So, you know, to, uh, a guy like Abby, you know, he, he's, he's our captain. He's our leader. He's a guy that wants to see this team be successful. So, you know, it's really a mute point uh, from that standpoint. If it's a situation where we're not playing and we can get him up there for a game or two, great. But the way our schedule is, we are never not playing. So it's, uh, it's uh, kind of a point where that, uh, you know, our, our guys are going to be here. You mentioned Luciani, who will be with us here in just a few minutes to answer questions and talk about uh, his season so far. Uh, let's talk about his, his rise from the injury, because when it happened, I think we both were kind of wondering, okay, how long is this going to take for him to get back with the team and not only be back, but, but be a contributor? Because a lot of times when you miss significant time, you're not the same type of player right away. Luciani not only came back faster than expected, but he made an impact right away. Talk about that. 
Well, he's so cocky that he he, he <laughs> nothing phases him. <laughs> like, yeah, you. You know what I know, but Luch. <laughs> You know, one great thing about Luch is, uh, and, and one thing you can't take away from, from players like him is just their confidence level. Like, uh, you know, a guy like Luch understands what he's got to do. He understands how, what he needs to do to be successful. And, uh, yeah, you know, for him to come back from injury, he steps right in our lineup and, and you know, you know he's going to contribute because, uh, you know, this is something he's done his whole life. It's something that he's going to pursue his whole uh, the rest of his life. So, um, you know, he's just a confident guy that knows that he can step out in a situation and contribute uh, positively for our group. So it wasn't a case of waiting, you know, getting Luch in and we're gonna, it was going to take him two or three games. You know he's going to step right in your lineup mm-hmm. and be a contributor. One of the other major players in this maybe three- to four-week stretch has been Dan Eves, who has had almost one point shy of his best month of his professional career. He has 14 points in 16 games. His uh, career high was 15 back in March of 2009. Uh, or actually it was 2010, the 09-10 season. Uh, this is a guy who did not get as much ice time as he'll admittedly want have, uh, to have back in the day uh, in November and December, January. But then as, as injuries started to happen, as call-ups started to happen, the lineup really started to favor him on a nightly basis, and he has excelled. Tell me about the role he has turned into and he has played since taking over the role, kind of a, a go-to scorer almost. You know, I, I give uh, Danny credit because, you know, he was the easy choice to be a healthy scratch. He was an easy choice to be a 10 forward. And the fact that he's such a team guy and, you know, we get guys sent down from the American Hockey League and it's it's easy. It's easy to say, hey, Evesy, you're not playing tonight. And, and, you know, for him to accept it. And, it, you know, it got to a point there where I could, I know that he was getting frustrated with his role, his lack of playing time. And, you know, you hit a point in the season where, you know, I mean, points are, you, you play all the games, they're all important, they're all big, uh, but you're trying to develop players, you're trying to get guys in the lineup, and we hit a point there where it was like, you know what, we, we've got to, you know, start giving ice time to guys that earn it, you know, not just not, not just give ice time for the mm-hmm. sake of uh, whether you're contracted or not, and hit that point where, you know, easy started playing a bigger role, and, and to his credit, he responded to that extra playing time. I mean, there's guys you give extra ice time to, and they don't respond. And Evesy re- responded instantly. Mm-hmm. And he took it to another level where, you know, we, we count on him big time every night. I mean, I, I've, I've not seen a guy that hot in a long time. Mm-hmm. I mean, he scored some big goals for us, shorthanded power play, you know, timely goals. And then all the stuff he does in between from the little things he does all night long, you know, on the boards. And, you know, he's played center for us. He's played wing. He's done everything for us. So... Uh, I mean, Dan Eves has been uh, such a big, big positive for our group over the last month and a half. And he's been a nominee now for the ECHL Player of the Week and will also be the nominee for the Cyclones for the ECHL Player of the Month. So we'll have a a wait-and-see approach for that, and hopefully he'll pick up the award and uh, we'll uh, have that to hang on his resume as well. Uh, The other guys that have been role players in a sense are guys like Luke Stauffaker, of course Derek St. Marie coming in from now what we will deem as perhaps an, an unofficial affiliate down there in Danville in the FHL former Cyclone Matt McIlvain, uh, the coach there as it, uh, as it stands now. They've had an opportunity to come in in a pinch because you need guys to fill out the roster. And over the weekend, especially on Sunday, the St. Marie's of the world, the Akuras of the world, the Stoffikers of the world really held their own, i say. What, what was your assessment of them? Yeah, I mean, I, first of all, Luke Stoffiker, I've known Stoff for a few years and, and know what, what he brings to a lineup and what he does to a locker room. And, you know, he's an energy guy. He's 5'7", fought twice yesterday, and, you know, just mm-hmm. a scrappy, scrappy guy. And, uh, you know, Luke's got stuff going on. I mean, there's a reason why he hasn't been playing all year. He's, he's got some business stuff happening, but he, he's always kept himself in shape, waiting for the opportunity. And, uh, you know, he came in for, uh, you know, the last week. Uh, released him today. He flew back to Madison today. 
Um, and we'll see what, what happens as the, the rest of the week plays out, whether Luke comes back with us or not. But uh, with, uh, you know, Derek St. Marie, I mean, I was really surprised at, uh, you know, getting him in here and see how he's contributed. I mean, two assists yesterday, he created uh, both those goals. And, you know, he's done a tremendous job for us in such a pinch that, you know, you, you can't really expect much from guys coming from the Federal League or the Southern Professional. But I thought he's done a great job. And even Dean Yakura, I thought he's... Uh, He's added a spark to our lineup, and he, he, he takes that defensive posture every time he's out there, so he's not a liability. And, um, you know, I thought they, they, both those young men have done a great job for us and excited to see him uh, as we go here. Uh, you know, we're, we're, we're waiting for Justin Vibe to come back, Jonathan Hazen coming off the IR, mm -hmm. uh, you know, a couple other things happening. But uh, in the meantime, I thought they've done a great job. With that said, you mentioned the uh, the injured reserve players, or in this case, uh, you mentioned Hazen. Where does that stand with everybody that currently sits there, of course, with Chris Clark down, uh, Chris Reed still feeling the effects? Is there any indication of when they're going to return, if at all? You know, all these concussions, it's such a difficult thing. I thought uh, uh, Reeder was going to be out maybe a week. I thought really uh, that's all his injury was going to be, and we're still sitting here three weeks, a month later, and he's still out. So... Mm -hmm. He rode the bike today, and, um, you know, if he can get through the next couple of days, we may be able to get him on the ice and then see how he progresses. Same thing with David Leader. Um, you know, he hasn't been on the bike yet. He's just been, been resting. So the timeline with these guys, we have no idea. I have no idea how long Chris Reed and David Leader are going to be. Jonathan Hazen should be back by uh, uh, hopefully the weekend. we got to get him on the ice a couple times, uh, but I think he's feeling a lot better. But we expect Hazy. I mean, Chris Clark, he's, he's most likely done for the year. Garrett Suter, same thing, uh, done for the year. And, of course, Mike Leambus, who's here tonight, um, you know, such a big part of our hockey team and such a, a great teammate. Um, you know, he's going to need some work done on, on, on his body, and then we'll uh, figure out what happens with him. We'll talk to Buss in just a few minutes as well. Uh, defensively, we knew going into this month it was going to be a, a tough task. And then you lose Clark. And then, of course, Leambus goes down. David Ledier gets hit. Chris Reed already out. Your defensive core you knew was, was depleted. With that in mind, the guys that have filled that role, sometimes with five and at sometimes even four with forwards turned into defensemen, they've had to fill the roles that they may not otherwise have had to, to fill or at least expected to fill. Tell me guys like Nick Tabus, Maury uh, Edwards, and, and the rest of the guys who have played D and played a lot of ice time over the last three weeks, how they've done. Well, you know, Nick Tabus was, was something we, we, you know, we had to. We've already discussed the Daniel Koger trade, something that, you know, it's just funny how it works out now. How, much, how badly could we use Daniel Koger right now in the situation we're in? But I think our more, you know, bigger needs were on defense. And I think Nick Tabus has done a very good job in, you know, the ice time that Maury Edwards is getting and, and, and Tyler Aronson, who's a 20-year-old kid, getting, you know, 35 minutes of ice time every night. And Jeremy Claver, who's... You know, we got him out of the Southern Pro to fill in and who's who's done a good job and Derek Foam. So, you know, not, not, nothing against those guys, but, uh, you know, we've uh, we've found ways with, with the, the, the limited number of, uh, we've got back there. And, mm -hmm. you know, we're just waiting for some guys to come back. We're waiting on a couple trade opportunities and, and some other things. So, um, you know, it's not happening quick enough as we'd like right now, but uh, it's something we're, uh, we're dealing with and, and, and finding ways to get by with. For those that uh, were not either watching the game, listening to the game, or uh, saw any of the highlights from Sunday, certainly a night where Brian Foster didn't play uh, as, as well as he would, I'm sure, have liked to, but it was far, far from his fault. 
uh, that the, the score got out of hand early as it did. Give us the assessment of the goaltending and specifically talk about the way Chet Pickard played on Saturday night. His uh, best performance, I would say, in perhaps two years. Uh, he made 36 saves, which was a high for him for the season uh, and was the second most of the year. And then comes in in relief and kept the team in the game and allowed you guys to come back to just almost down by one. Yeah, I, I love Chet on Saturday. I thought Chet did a great job. The first two goals of the game went off uh, defenseman skates, and, and, you know, the first one, Taylor Ironson, went off his skate, then Nick Tavis' skate, and, you know, we got down there. But uh, the way the way Chet battled, and, and I, I, I thought he played a very good game on Saturday. You know, went back with Foster on Sunday, and like you said, Nick, uh, we kind of hung him out to dry there. Um, so put Cheddar back in, and, uh, you know, he did, a, he did a great job. I mean, I... We've talked about this before about Chet when he's pissed off and when he's, uh, you know, angry. I think he's a better goaltender. And, uh, um, you know, whatever it takes for him to get in that, that place, he, he needs to get there because when he's, uh, he's fiery, he's, he's a much better goaltender. And, uh, you know, I, I was great to see him respond here the last couple of games. All right. There was a, a moment in time on uh, Saturday that I think both of us were scratching our head as to what exactly happened. It was at the very end of the second period. You were about to clear the puck out at the horn, lifted it up over the glass. Horn had sounded. It was out of play. It was certainly not deflected. However, play had already expired. They give you a delay of game penalty, which put you in a situation where that was uh, you were up against the ropes at that point. You were trying to hold on to a lead. You ultimately did win. But a question came into both of our heads. How is that delay if the clock had already expired? Play is done. Is that a penalty? And you called Joe Ernst from the league and talked about it. And... Uh, I guess I'll ask you directly, and you can answer as, as candidly as you like. What did he say? Well, my biggest thing was that on that play where clearly Nick Tabe is shot it in the stands. The, the question is, is what's the rule? Is it when he releases it? Is it when it breaks the plane of the glass on the time on the clock? And, you know, we're not sophisticated enough, uh, you know, with, 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 with everything to, to determine that. You know, the National Hockey League has all the tools to do that, you know, but... Um, you know, it was it was a situation where they. I, I want to make sure they didn't go off the horn because the horn's not the official clock. You know, if he shot it out, and then the horn went. The horn's not the clock. The clock is what's official. The horn comes after the the the, the clock touches zero. So, you know, my question was whether you know Nick Tavis had. First of all, Nick Tavis should have not have shot it. He should have just protected <laughs> it. So that that's another point. But you know, he gets it, and you know if it's at one one second as he releases it and it goes out it's at zero is it still a penalty or does it, when it crosses the plane or right. that was my question to the league which at the end of the day we don't have an, an answer to we don't know if the clock was on the linesman assured me that he was looking at the clock and the puck was already released when Nick Tavis shot it over hmm. you know we don't have a video we don't have the time of clock to determine whether that should have been a penalty. It just put us in such a tough situation, five on three to start the third period with a one-goal lead. So well, We have plenty more to get to with the head coach of the Cyclones, Jared Scaldi, including a preview of what is to come this week, including a game against Greenville tomorrow. Details on that and an interesting omission from their roster. I'll have that to come up with you, and I don't know if you know about that yet. They just sent me the roster. We'll give that news to you next. Plus, Mike Liambis will be with us, as well as Anthony Luciani. This is the Coors Light Jared Scaldi Show on the Cyclones Radio Network. You're listening to the Cyclones Radio Network. You're listening to the Cyclones Radio Network. We're back again. Another segment live here at GameWorks at Newport on the Levee. Cyclones coming up tomorrow against Greenville. We hope to have you at U.S. Bank Arena for a Big Beer Tuesday. $2.24 ounce beers. And it's also Dollar City Barbecue Pulled Pork. 7.30 puck drop. Our next guest 
Of course, you know him, and he is one of the toughest guys in this game. He, of course, is wearing number 17, the assistant captain, Mike Liambis. Give it up for Mike. Welcome in. Thanks. Thank you for being with us as always. Yeah, no problem. What's new in your world these days? Oh, not much. Just a lot of spare time on my hands. That's what we're hearing. We're sorry we can't see you on the ice, but you've been doing a lot of other things, certainly keeping yourself in shape. One of the things that I know you yeah. are most excited to do when you have the opportunity is to get to the gym yeah. and to work out. Uh, it's something that you came to me about, and you want to uh, maybe advance your career post-hockey yeah. as a trainer. Yeah. Talk about that, and what, um, what got you into it? Well, I went to, well, I mean, you're, you're in sports my whole life, I guess, and, uh, and then last year I was at UBC for kinesiology, and I just enjoy it. I, uh, I don't know, like this is our body, we have to live in, like, in the world with this, you know, and uh, I think everyone should take care of it as best as they can. Okay, now, is there a point in time where you realize, okay, I think I could, I could do what trainers do on a, on a daily basis? Because there's a lot that goes into it besides just hitting the weights. Yeah, well, I mean, I think with experience, you know, we've been doing it our whole life uh, as professional athletes every summer. That's all we do, really. That's, that's our job in the summer. So um, you gain a lot of experience and you learn uh, a lot of new ways and everything. And, of course, you've learned under a guy that, uh, that trained the Cyclones during the preseason, yeah. Terry, yeah. Uh, up at uh, Terry Bryant's uh, training center near Kenwood. Yeah. Tell me about him and, and how you've learned from him and how you've worked with him over the course of the season to keep yourself in shape. Um, actually, yeah, I just met Terry for the first time this year, and he's, uh, I've like, formed a really good bond with him. Uh, he's an, like an awesome guy, and uh, he runs a pretty good gig over there at uh, his training center. Now, when you talk about training for hockey, yeah. we have a lot of games and a lot of days. Yeah. For somebody like yourself right now, let's take your game situation out of the equation. Provided that you would be playing yeah. in all the games, how would you go about training to prepare yourself so you can also build and, and get stronger but not kill yourself too much and, and be ready to play on a nightly basis? Um, at this time of the year, it's more of, you know, we got a rest day today for the, all, mm -hmm. like most of the guys. And... Uh, you got to take those rest days. Um, it's maybe a lot of stretching, maybe a little hot tub. But uh, at this point in the season, with all these games in such a short amount of time, uh, it's really not much much gym time other than stretching and maybe getting a little flush bike ride in or something. Okay, we mentioned you uh, being the assistant captain of this team. Tell me what it meant to you when you first got the letter on your jersey. Um, it just it actually meant a lot, like just showing that uh, they were giving me that responsibility. Mm -hmm. And uh, you know, along came with that, I went back to defense and. Started playing 20, 25 minutes a night, mm -hmm. a lot more than I was uh, playing up on a forward. But uh, it, me it means a lot, you know, because I, like, with an A or without an A or anything, I'm still going to be, you know, how I am in the room with the guys and everything. But uh, it just meant a lot, you know, that uh, the coaches um, were willing to do that, you know. Rob has a question. Rob, go ahead. Talk about some of the stuff that, that you do off the ice. Going back to your, your days in Erie where you started a, a stay-in-school program for kids at the Shriners Hospital in Erie. Talk about... What made you want to start that program and uh, other stuff that you do throughout the community here in Cincinnati? Um, it wasn't, uh, we did the stay in school stuff too where we'd read and stuff, but the Shriners was just a little different. It's, uh, they had an orthopedic uh, sec uh, like little section there and uh, I just started out going in once a week and like helping the nurses, you know, just when kids got to have casts taken off and everything, you just kind of take their mind off of it. Well, at least you try to. But, uh, and then it just, I mean, I was there for four years, so it got to the point where I would just go in two or three times a week and just hang out there and it actually paid off for me because I had my uh, my hip surgery ended up having to be done there and uh, they allowed it because I was too old it's obviously just a kid's hospital but they because I guess of my status there and like I helped them out a lot they kind of scratched my back a bit too. 
No pun intended, I guess. Yeah. Now, let me talk about what you've done for the Cyclones organization. Of course, we've had discussions both on and off the air about what you like to do. Uh, and I know when the first time that we had a conversation in the offseason last year, which was in April, we talked already about October and September and when you yeah. were going to get here about getting involved quickly. It, it means a lot to you to get in this community, doesn't it? Yeah. Well, I, I think we have a great opportunity because I guess uh, people look up to us, you know, and I mean... We're not that big of a deal, but to some people, I guess we are. You know, <laughs> we're just normal people. But to be able to maybe, like, put a couple smiles in some kids' faces that uh, maybe they're going through a tough time, especially with their families, to be able to go to hospitals and uh, just hang out with them. And uh, they're going, like, their whole family's going through, like, unfortunate events. It's uh, to be able to just crack a smile on their face and just help them out, you know, it's just, I mean, it means a lot to me, too. It makes me feel amazing, and I'm sure it makes the families and kids feel awesome, too. Rob? Now, within the last couple weeks, you had your family back in town to uh, celebrate another birthday. Yeah. Not only how good was it to see the family, but sort of tell the people the, the nice surprise that uh, the billboard mini version that oh, your, your yeah, mom yeah. made for you. Yeah, she actually had this uh, little billboard thing. It actually it looks pretty cool. And she had Bronx, uh, I guess, send her the picture of that billboard that was down 71. And it was a cool little birthday gift. It was like a mini billboard from what was showing on 71 it was kind of cool it's like a desk a desk item so you yeah. can put it on there and you have your own mike liambus yeah. billboard hanging out yeah. tell me what that was like because you know you, you come into a city you're trying to you know get your wits about you get on a team build and, and get better as a player yeah. and here we are a year into your your tenure as, as a cyclone yeah and you're driving down the highway that you yeah. make a track down every day and you see your your big old mug on the yeah. on the score on the uh, on the jumbotron slash uh, the billboard what yeah. was that like the first time you saw it i mean it was it kind of caught me off guard because i didn't know about it you didn't say anything to me about it but yeah. uh it, it was cool i mean it's it's obviously cool seeing that that uh doesn't happen every day but um i mean yeah it was a cool experience to see that you've been through a lot in your career what's yeah. been your, your favorite part so far um i i'd honestly have to say that this year was probably one of my best hockey seasons so far i mean i know right now i'm injured and stuff and i don't know what's going to happen for the rest of the year but um i switched positions and i got a bigger role like you said mm -hmm. a leadership role and playing a lot more, having a bigger impact on the team and not uh, not just fighting all the time like I have been <laughs> doing in the past. And, uh, yeah, but this year has been amazing. But there's been a lot of ups, you know, with hockey, um, you know, from going to different uh, NHL camps and everything. Sure. But uh, this year has been uh, special for me so far. Rob? Now, this year the ECL, ECHL didn't have an, an all-star game. Yeah. But they did something <clears throat> a little different with the Silver Skaters. And you were one of the uh, nominations for, for Cincinnati. Talk about... Uh, your feelings toward winning that honor uh that's amazing but i obviously owe it all to you guys because you guys were the ones voting you mm -hmm. know had nothing to do with me but uh that's another thing too like uh yeah being voted for that like it makes me feel good you know that uh that i guess i'm doing a good job but uh i owe it to you guys obviously for voting so, uh, yeah, it was pretty cool. It's been a busy season. This is, yeah. this is a month that certainly uh, ramped up very quickly, lots of games and lots of days. Although you weren't playing in, in many of them over the last couple of weeks with the injury, it's got to be a battle. And I know you're, you're just as stressed out as everybody else on the bench. You're up in the stands watching the game. What's it like being in the stands and not watching from the bench that you normally do? Uh, it sucks. You know, <laughs> I mean, especially how we've been depleted with some players, especially defense. Like, you, you just, I don't know, it, it sucks. Like, you can't even explain it. You want to go out there and help the guys, mm. but you know that you can't. But, uh, I mean, I just, I'm still trying to do anything I can to help the guys out, mm -hmm. um, whether it's being at the rink, being at practice, and trying to help them out with certain things. Uh, it's just frustrating. But there's, at the end of the day, there's nothing I could do about it, you know. 
it's uh, you just got to take it for what it is and just try to do whatever you can with what you got. Well, it's hard to really know exactly what the future holds with uh, the offseason. Players tend to go back home, visit family. But from all accounts that, that you and I have discussed, it seems like you're probably going to be sticking around here, at least in Cincinnati during the summertime. Yeah, for the most part of it, I will be. Um, I'll probably have to do some rehab <laughs> for the most part of the summer. But, yeah, I mean, I love this city, and uh, I'd be glad to help the team out with promotions over the summer. And uh, just got some things on the go. I love this city, too. Well, we're happy to have you here. Thank you so much yeah. for being with us. As always, everything you do. Give it up for Mike Liambas, everybody. Thank you. Anthony Luciani is with us next, and we'll have plenty of discussion with him about hockey and more on the Coors Light Jared Scaldi Show on the Cyclones Radio Network. This is CyclonesHockey.com. This is CyclonesHockey.com. We're back. Another segment live at the Coors Light Jared Scaldi Show here at GameWorks in Newport-on-the-Levee. We'll kick off the month of March next Monday, March the 5th. Hard to believe it's already the final month of the regular season, and we will break it all down for you next Monday at 7 o'clock until 8. Our next guest is a man that has returned with a blaze on the score sheet. He is now fourth on the Cyclones list in scoring. He's now cracked the top 10 in the rookie scoring leaderboard as well. Give it up for number 26, Anthony Luciani. What up, Luch? How's it going, Bruns? How are you, man? Doing okay. Just hanging out. Kind of a crazy couple of weeks for you. you. You go down with the ankle injury. It's been about a month, actually. You did right around the All-Star break. For those that may not know exactly what happened, it wasn't necessarily an on-ice injury. Explain what, what happened and uh, where the ankle went bad for the time being. Well, uh, I was being uh, a, two, a goody two-shoes, actually. I uh, thought I'd go work out during All-Star break with uh, Chet and... Um, we were just running, and I sprained my ankle. So I got a high ankle sprain, two torn ligaments, and a deltoid sprain. So it was kind of uh, vigorous. And at that point, did you have any indication right away how long you were going to be out? Did doctors or Bob talk to you about your prognosis? Because I know that from what we heard, it, and certainly looking at, at past injuries from other people that have had that happen to their ankle, it wasn't good. Is that what you got? Um, well, actually, uh, three years ago, I broke my ankle. I have two uh, screws in it right now. So as soon as that happened, I, I was almost shed a tear. I was crying, and Chet was laughing, and <laughs> I, I knew it was dangerous. And as soon as I took my shoe off, my foot just blew up, and I, I knew it wasn't good. So we saw Bobo on the Tuesday. Thanks, uh, thanks to him, he came in from home and checked it out, and he said, yeah, he did a good job to it. So I knew right I yeah, pretty much I knew right away it was bad. And now that you're back, between the time that you injured it and now here we are today, a very quick turnaround time for you. You left Cincinnati for a time to rehab and, and get it back into game shape, I think a lot quicker than a lot of us thought you would uh, get back on the ice. What did you do between the time you heard it and the time you, you came back? Um, I was uh, actually getting stim from Bobo. And, uh, what exactly is that for people that don't know? It's like electro forces on pads going to the muscle or the region where you're hurt and it just pounds shocking pulses through your body it's doctor yeah it's pretty, watching a lot yeah, of Grey's anatomy these no days. idea what i'm talking yeah. about but <laughs> so uh my agent called me he said uh come up to minnesota we have this thing called the arp and it's uh it works miracles so i talked to bobo my parents and they told me uh yeah go ahead like you know like it, it won't hurt you so I uh, booked a plane ticket there and got there, and the first 20 minutes I got to his house, he said, take the crutches, off, like, throw the crutches away, take off the boot, tape my ankle up, and he said, start walking, and I I couldn't do it, but his psych psychologic thought process was 
that if the brain tells you you can't do it, you can't do it, but really you can't do it if you can do it. So he taped me up and I started limping and couldn't deal with it. So he threw the ARP on me and it's just a higher pulsing than normal stim and he had that going at 500 pulses per second. That's which, a lot. Oh, I think I believe 150 is normal stim. This is 500 pulses per second and he had me jumping on it and flexing on it and doing skating strides and I, I was actually for not really doing anything I was sweating and my my mental toughness was weak and it just built me up for the whole week and by Wednesday I was able to walk normally without crutches or anything and uh, Thursday I went for a little skate my foot was still too big in the boot mm -hmm. and um, he wanted me to stay a couple more days, but I had to come back to Cincy to see the boys. Yeah. yeah. Now, you mentioned all the things they had you do, jumping, doing skating strides, all that, all that kind of stuff. When he told you that was going to happen, when he said, you're going to do this, what went through your mind? Are you the type of person I know, like, if that happened to me, I probably would not. I don't have the mental toughness to do that. Was there a point in time when he started telling you these things, that you're going to do this, that you're like, I don't think I'm going to be able to pull this off? Absolutely. He's, he just said... Don't let your brain take over your body. And uh, every single time, the first, the first movement I did, I just I couldn't do it. And then I realized I could do it. And then I started doing it and doing it and doing it. And it, it became good. And he said, every time I said I couldn't do it, he said, you have high expectations to be where you want to be. So, you know, like, if you want to play games and not be at where you want to be, then go ahead. But if you want to do what you got to do, then... This is what you got to do. Well, and here you are. You're among the league leaders in rookie scoring, and you came back from that injury, like we said, very, very quickly, and you made an immediate impact. Obviously, that's got to be a credit to your training, to your uh, ability not only just to, to stay in shape but to come out and, and stick with the game plan. For you, that had to be exciting, getting back and immediately just kind of picking up where you left off. Oh, absolutely. Watching those games, it just it killed me, seeing the boys play, and I really wanted to be out there. And... Uh, first practice was a little weak and a little nervous and the first game I was extremely nervous but I had to put that all behind me and work with the team. Rob? You're a pretty high energy guy known for a little celebration after scoring goals. You've been known <laughs> to do the uh, cue up to the maestro and you had an interesting one with uh, Matt Siska that give you guys a 4-3 lead. Any of this stuff planned or is it kind of just uh, on the whim of the moment? Um... That with Siska is just me being happy, <laughs> but uh, yeah, I have uh, quite a few celebrations in junior. I did, and I didn't. I didn't know if my my coach wasn't one to uh, appreciate them. But I mean, scoring goals for me is it's a real high for me. So I mean, if whatever I do at that moment is what I do. So I'm sorry if it offends anybody. I don't think it offends anybody in this building. I can tell you that right now. Do you have anything up your sleeve? Is it? You said it's not planned. You have some that you've done before. Yep. Are you thinking about reaching into that bag of tricks? Maybe tomorrow? Maybe a few times tomorrow? Mm, I have a few, actually, but uh, I think i got to wait till maybe if, if Viver comes back. Yeah. Really? Uh, he told me that there's something, like there's a, a dance that the Cyclones fans do when a song comes on. Uh, interesting. This right here. Move your body like a cyclone. Oh, no. So 
Oh, I mean, no. I'm thinking maybe doing that when I score a goal. So, or b- basically, when you're on the ice, they need to have the camera phones ready to go. Yeah. Oh, Highlight. <laughs> or or as, as one Ocho Cinco used to say, get your popcorn ready, or was that T.O.? I don't remember. Either way, yep, you're, of, you're better than both of those guys, oh. at least personality-wise. Robbio, one more before we break. I do have one more. You being a, a Toronto guy with your uh, Blue Jays cap on, you big uh, Joey Votto guy here locally? Yeah, I like Joey Votto a lot. Yeah, he's from, uh, actually, he's from Scarborough, I believe. This is 20 minutes from my hometown, and, you know, I'd, uh, I'd like to get to meet him, maybe catch the home opener. I don't know. We'll see. Good luck getting home opener tickets. Oh. Although, you know what? Maybe you can pull some strings. Give him some playoff tickets <laughs> yeah. to the Cyclones, right? <laughs> what has right. been your favorite part about being in Cincinnati so far? My favorite part about being in Cincinnati. I know. It's a tough question. I want to close it out with something good. Uh, Everything. Being with my buddy, Mike Leavis. There it is. <laughs> um, Way to go out and top it out. Nice. Well, he was just pointing to uh-huh. him, so I thought uh, I'd do that right meow. But um, uh, my favorite part is probably I-, I love, I love, absolutely love when the fans get into the game. It, it gets me going more than I actually, you know, like it brings me that extra level. So I love when the fans go nuts, and uh, just being with the boys makes me happy. That wasn't planned, so that was, that was completely genuine. Thanks for being with us, Luch. Give it up for Anthony Luciani, everybody. We'll come back with the head coach of the Cyclones, Jared Scaldi, next for our final segment on the Coors Light Jared Scaldi Show next on the Cyclones Radio Network. Meow. Cycloneshockey.com. Final segment of the night here on the Coors Light Jared Scaldi Show with the head coach and Rob Roberts. I'm Nick Brunker. On the ice tomorrow, the Cyclones against Greenville. We'll kick things off at 7.15 with our pregame show, and, of course, the puck will drop at 7.30. Now, uh, give us a scouting report on the uh, Robe Warriors, a team that we teased you earlier about, have the, some lineup changes that could seriously affect their offensive weapons, although they still have guys out there that can score. Give us an assessment of where they are right now. Well, Jeff Pro got called up today, and Brandon Connolly is going to be out uh, for a while, but, you know, they've got, you know, Justin Bowers, to me, is one of the best uh, Best offensive guys in the Eastern Conference, and, uh, you know, he's the engine that gets that team going And with, with Wes Cunningham. It'd be interesting to see T.J. Reynolds. Um, you know, it takes two to tangle. We don't have any tangle with him, <laughs> so uh, it'll be interesting what uh, what effect he has on uh, tomorrow. But I know they've struggled with some goaltending. I know the mission kid that uh, I think we saw his first game down here. I mm-hmm. mean, you look across the ice, and you see a guy six foot seven almost, and uh, um, I know he's, he's had his struggle, so... You know, we just got to, we've got to take care of our own end. I mean, the big thing for us is uh, making sure defensively we have everybody committed, 18 guys committed to our end, and, uh, you know, find ways. Find ways to, uh, you know, create some offense, find ways to get pucks to the net, but make sure our, our end is taken care of. Rob? You got another three and six again this week before that big road trip. Talk about how big of a game that was for Chet Pickard on Saturday night. You talk about how he plays when he's pissed off, and, it looked like when Kalamazoo tried to hit him a little bit, he took it personal. It's just a different goalie the rest of the night. Is that the kind of game that can turn a guy's season around like that and move moving forward? I hope so because we're going to need Chet. Uh, you know, we've got uh, you know 18 games, uh, 18 games to go, and you know Brian Foster. The plan is to play the majority of them, and uh, you know someone's got to go in there, and and, and Chet's going to have to uh, um, you know step up. I know last year we lost him when you know I started Chet, uh, Foster the last 12 games of the season, and and I know it was difficult for for Chet, but you know we're at a point right now where um, you know Chet's going to play. Chet's going to get some starts. Chet's going to get some games, and uh, you know we need him to play with that same uh, gumption that he had uh, over this weekend. 
It doesn't take Nostradamus to figure out this, this division is going to come down to the very end. And you have a chance against Chicago on Thursday and then on Toledo on Sunday afternoon in Toledo. Chicago, of course, here on a Thirsty Thursday this week. It's a, it's a large, large matchup every time you face anybody in your division, but especially so against a team that is now right behind you with one point against you in the standings. Yeah, it's funny how you look at it. You know, we, we can look at Chicago, and obviously you got to pay attention, but also, you know, our focus right now is catching Kalamazoo. I mean, we're six points uh, back from being third in our, uh, our, our conference here. Yep. So, um, you know, as much as, yeah, you got to look in the rearview mirror, you got to look ahead, but... Uh, honestly, I, 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 it's exciting to look at the fact that we're right there with Kalamazoo and, and we have an opportunity to catch them, you know, and, and focus on tomorrow night and we'll just continue to plug away from there. We have time for a couple of questions. We'll go to our first one of the night now. Go ahead. I'm Savannah. My question is, there's some rumors about Hans Benson coming back. Are they true? No. Hans Benson. Who? No, I'm kidding. No, Hans Benson ain't coming back. There's no. Um, I've heard. No, this guy over here. I couldn't even order a beer here an hour ago, and now he's starting rumors. <laughs> um, no, there's... Uh, <laughs> uh. Parts are asking what he wanted. It took him 10 minutes to figure out. They're all right there on the tap, big guy. Um, <laughs> no, Hans Benson ain't coming back to Cincinnati. I'll tell you that right now. We're looking for a defenseman from Bakersfield, not uh, Hans Benson. That's a great question. Thank you, though. That and, was great. And an even better answer. Hey, that's Chuck, pretty good. You get some other sources, though. I think uh, your sources are a little off. The best source is CyclonesHockey.com <laughs> or either of our Facebook pages. Of course, we will have all the details on anything as it breaks right there all season long. All right. With Wheeling coming back, a team that you don't have a really a, a lot of head-to-head -head experience against, ironically, because last year you played them, it seemed like, every other night. Uh, you know Clark Donatelli up there. You're relatively good professional friends with him. You know what he's going to bring. You know what they have uh, in their locker room. Is there much of a game plan change from the last time? You know, the, th the industry with Wheeling, their lineup keeps changing. It, it seems a lot like us. Uh, you know, their, their lineup is that Wilkes-Barre has been bringing guys up, bringing guys down, and they've, they've found a way to continue to win. So they've got a solid base there. I mean, with uh, their goaltending with Colleen and Delmas, it, it doesn't matter who's up, who's down. They've got solid goaltending, and, uh, um, you know, they're, they're going to play an aggressive style, and uh, it, it's fun. I'm, I'm excited to play Wheeling this week. Best of luck this week. We'll hope for a handful of points as we move through, and we'll see you back here next Monday. All right. Thanks a lot, guys. Thanks for being here, everybody. He's head coach Jared Scaldi for Rob Roberts. I'm Nick Brunker. Thanks for being with us, and we'll see you again next Monday and hopefully tomorrow as the Cyclones battle Greenville. 730 puck drop, and we'll hit the air on the Cyclones radio network at 715. Good night, everybody.